This is the Another Way to See It podcast, a show about perspective. I'm Randy, an old soul with a beginner's mindset, curiously navigating this journey we call life. I bring my life experiences and authentic curiosity to meet people where they are, challenging them to break the old blueprints and patterns that no longer are in alignment, cleaning up our messes to learn and evolve. I'm Kim. As a coach, I take a hawk-like perspective. I use keen, big-picture seeing, deep-embodied listening, and the courage to ask hard questions, to contextualize experiences and connect dots. In this way, I help guide my clients to places that are well-examined, expansive, and full of possibility. Each week, we dive deep into topics that most of us navigate in our everyday life. I'm glad you're here. Welcome back to Another Way to See It. I'm Randy. I'm Kim. And we have a very exciting topic that I like to talk about, uh, and that's reacting versus responding. And it'd be easy to like pull up the definitions of reacting and responding, but we're going to play a little game here, Kim. Ooh, I'm going to okay. say the word, and you're going you're gonna to ramble off what comes to mind, and I'm going to do the same. Okay. All right. So obviously we're going to start with reacting. What comes to mind? Immediate, not very well thought out, sort of like an animal response. Just like a, what is it called? A um, reflex. (laughs) It's reflexive. Yeah, it's reflexive. So yeah, it just happens automatically. And You know, we can get into this later, but I mean, I think we can be conditioned to have certain reactions to things. Mm. That's what comes to my mind. Yeah, I I had very similar uh, thoughts when I was thinking about this earlier. And for me, it was uh, instant Mm -hmm. based in the moment. uh, Unconscious mind. And lack of long lack of knowledgeable wait a minute let me rephrase that doesn't think about long-term effects Mm -hmm. and then i also had survival oriented yeah so very similar uh definitions of our own around each and what about response response i mean this is just train of thought right i'm not reading anything or, but response to me indicates some kind of thoughtfulness, um, some kind of planning or, you know, time and a choice, a decision. That's what means to me. Yeah. I thought of slow pace and mindfulness. And so I I like that we break down what these words mean to us and come up for us because it kind of sets the tone with where we're coming at for the conversation. Mm, Yeah. And uh, I can't, you know me, I like to do my research. Yep. And so I came across this quote from uh, Victor E. Frankel. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. 
And that space is our power to choose our response. And our response lies our growth and our freedom. I like it. Uh, Very true. I, I had to sit with that. I stopped in the middle of my research and was really sent with it because there's so much to be said about our growth and our freedom when we take those moments and those spaces to really pause and not necessarily reflect, but to sit with, sit with what's happening in the moment, our feelings, our thoughts, the people. Okay. What is the difference between sitting with and reflecting? Uh, I'd say for me, really sitting with is kind of like, when I think of reflecting, it's like, it's already happened. Mm. Whereas when I think about sitting with, it's like in that moment, I'm sitting with the data of the moments that have happened. I'm sitting with my thoughts and my feelings and, and allowing that to, to kind of give me a response. Okay. So let me ask you this question, Randy. How did we come to this topic? How did we come to decide on this topic? I think it's important to sort of share certain things. Yeah. I mean, I'm an, I'm an open book. I've said that since we started this journey. I mean, I've said that with people that have gotten close with me. Uh, I'm pretty open within clients as long as it's in reference to what's going on. Uh, and uh, I got triggered over uh, what's going on with my life, which is <laughs> many topics. But uh, I got triggered and I caught myself in a reaction mode. And I didn't like it. I didn't like the way I felt. I didn't like um, obviously the the reactions, aka decisions I was making in that moment. And for me, it was it, it all stemmed from stress. You know, stress that's going on with the house, my vehicles. Uh, it just all came to a head. And I hit a breaking point. And so it's funny how like this was a reflection point, right? All right. I was, I was already sitting with it, but working through it and having, you know, people in my life that I, I can really lean on and navigate with, navigate this with allowed me for the time of reflection. And in that reflection, I came to remembering the tools that I had, the tools that I know, and also like learning more about who I am and what that looks like. And one of the tools is, you know, our human design that mm -hmm. we've kind of been uh, diving into a little bit, uh, you and me. And uh, I, I am, I'm meant to be in response. My my strategy is to respond. And so sitting with that and, and navigating some conversations that we've had and that I've had with others is that I need to slow down to respond. And it like, we get so caught up on reacting and responding to other people 
that we forget that we still have to do that to ourselves. Yeah, I I want to go back to a little bit the beginning because I think that this is very delicate. And I want to ask you just a really honest question. Did you know that you were reacting rather than responding or did it take something outside of yourself to kind of like sort of remind you? Cause it's pretty subtle. And I think that in order to begin to shift, you have to understand the antecedents, you know, and you have to begin to understand what happens to you to determine whether you're in response or reactivity. Does the question make sense? It, it took me to, to reach out and to have a conversation. Uh, it got to the point to where I was in a tailspin in a sense. And it was, it was just so much around, like I felt like I had to make quick decisions and I didn't use the tools. I didn't slow down. I didn't breathe. I didn't, you know, sit with it. You know, we get in such a a habit of like, I need to make a decision right here, right now. And it's not so much that I know better than that, because I do think sometimes in moments we do have to make those decisions. But all the decisions that I were making were not like, I need to know right this second. And I made them right this second decisions. Mm -hmm. And so what came from that was not that they were right or wrong, but just that I didn't give the space that we always talk about and the curiosity to really sit with it and, and dissect what I really needed in the moment to make those decisions. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about myself and how I know whether I'm in reactivity or response. And one of the ways that I'm aware is, well, a couple of the ways I'm aware is number one, I feel constricted, you know, just in my body, my body just has this moment of like, ugh. and second of all, I start thinking about how whatever it is that I, I need to deal with, um, is going to impact other people. So uh, one of the biggest triggers for me is text messages. You know, this, (laughs) um, the text messaging thing really gets under my skin a little bit because just because we have this ability to reach out instantaneously to someone, there is the expectation that they're going to immediately respond or, you know, text you back. And I don't function within that expectation. (laughs) So when I get a text message, number one, I don't always have my phone with me. And number two, maybe I don't want to respond right away. You know, I, but I get a constriction in my body immediately. Every time the phone rings, every time a text message comes, because I know that there is an expectation on the other side of that, that there's going to be some kind of communication or response. And 
that that communication or response is going to involve something that's going to ask me for my time or my energy or my attention. And I feel it. I mean, I feel it on every level of my body. That's just one of my triggers. There, there are many, but um, for me, it's just the tightening that I feel in my body. And then the mind going, oh, great. Now what? Those are some, <laughs> those are some of the ways I'm aware that I have a choice, right? In that moment to just react and beep, 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 send the text or to sit on it for a little while. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point and like a reaction and a response may look the same, but they feel different. Mm, Yeah. Right. And like you just described that to the T is like. You instantly get that constriction, which is which is something I wanted to talk about anyways, um, which I'll lead to after this. But like. You went from feeling constricted when you felt like you had to react versus kind of sitting with it and allowing that space for it to kind of level out and be more open, I guess, than constricted to where, okay, does this need my time? Does this need my energy right this second? Is it urgent? Is, you know, is this a 911 call? Is this, uh, you know, a business call? Is this, you know, a friend wanting to shoot the shit, you know? And, and like you said, a lot of times you don't have your phone on you. So when you do have it, it comes down to that, that time and energy. And I think that's very straightforward and honest and, and something that like, I think a lot of us need to really sit with and ponder because we get in such a reaction mode. I mean, society tells us to be in reaction. Absolutely. That's something I was going to say too. So good. Yeah, it's true. Right. We're conditioned to react to other people's needs and expectations and yeah. Instant gratification, mm-hmm. you know, all that just is, is constricting. And a, a breakthrough that I had while working through, through my stressful weeks of buildup of, <laughs> of triggers and, and everything, I was really holding on too tight to the situation and the outcome without seeing all sides of it. Mm. And, you know, that, that falls into, you know, anxious attachment of wanting to, to have that, you know, perfectionist mindset of having, when things are falling apart, you want to cling to it tighter, trying to fix everything. There are just some things in the moment that don't need to be fixed. The, they don't need to be resolved in that moment. And our minds are so used to like the fight or flight of like, is this, is this something I need to fix? Is everything, you know, is my, just because, you know, for instance, with my house, you know, around the roof, you know, paying somebody to do it or finishing myself you know, it's still, the end product's still the same. The roof gets Mm. done. So the, the reaction in me is I'm just going to do it myself because I'm going to save money and I know enough to get me in trouble and I'll just do it myself Mm. versus the response of once again, time or in time and energy. 
with everything that I got going on and everything I'm trying to accomplish and work towards to, was that the right decision? And after reflecting here, after the roof got done, there was a weight lifted off my shoulders because I I sat with it long enough to to make the response to to have someone do it versus what it would have done a to my body <laughs> and the stress level. It's interesting what you say and that it's interesting also that you brought up human design and I don't know if anybody's interested in learning about human design it's on the um it's on the internet you can google it but it's it's basically just sort of a way to help you navigate through life and I think both of us are emotional being so we have to ride the emotional yeah. wave oh yeah um so that's really interesting too because some people know right away right they have a gut feeling and they go with it and that works for them so it's sort of interesting to spend some time getting to know yourself and like reflecting on the ways that you felt when you made good decisions we talked about this with Tara when she decided to um, step back from the show. And we have to come into an understanding of our strategy and how that works for us. And it's so true. I don't think many people would say that just not really knowing me very well, that I'm a very emotional person. I don't always present like an emotional person, right? I'm pretty middle of the road. My internal landscape is very different than what you see on the outside. I will have very strong feelings about something and you might never know how strongly I feel about it. I can have like really high highs and super low lows. The trick for me is to come to neutrality, to not attach an emotional sort of judgment to a decision but to find a space where it's coming from a neutral place. And that is a, that it's responding, right? That's the strategy is to respond, not to react. If I were to make a decision in from a very emotional place, that's reacting. So it can be as simple as knowing a little bit about your human design to give you maybe a map if, if you subscribe to it, or if you just even take it on as a, as an experiment to help you reflect on how you can respond versus reacting. Cause I think it looks different for everybody, but I think the difference, the, the, the difference primarily is space and time. Hmm. For sure. It brings up a good, I would like to talk about this for a second is you know, we, we talk about time, we talk about energy, especially around this right now. And we know that when we engage in other people, it is an energy exchange. And people look for a reaction from us. Yes. And it may not be conscious that they are doing it, but subconsciously, I feel like the way our society is and how we were brought up, which looks different for everybody. I still believe there's those people that are looking to get a rise from us, a reaction, to get what they want as an answer. Yeah. 
Yeah. I have a funny story about that. So on this show, I talk a lot, but just in life, I don't really talk that much. So we have this kind of running joke in my family. If you make a statement, people might not respond to you because it's not a question. So we kind of run into these places of conflict because someone says something and no one answers because it's not a question. Like you're not asking anything for me. You're just sort of saying something. Okay. And, and I have said this a hundred times. Is it a question? Does it need an answer? I didn't hear a question in that. So, so for me not to respond, it's kind of funny because there wasn't a question. There was nothing to respond to, but a lot of people just say stuff and then they expect you to say stuff right after. To me, that's a reaction. It's not a response because there was never a question. Hmm. It's a weird little quirk that I, that I deal with on a very everyday level in my sort of quirky family. But I think it illustrates what you're talking about. Well, to even hold space and give that pause of silence. I struggled with that so much until I started going through the coaching program. That's when I learned how important it is to pause and gather your thoughts to respond because our mind never shuts off Hmm. like ever. And so when someone even, even asking a question, there's already like, you know, set answers for every question that our mind has already been asked before. And so when you slow down, you take that pause, you breathe, it allows a different response. Mm. It allows you to, to process, to think through, you know, and, and this can happen in seconds. It's not like it's a, you know, two hour thing. I'll get back to you later. You're just going to sit there and we're going to make eye contact the whole <laughs> But like the, it's, it's amazing how quick we are to react, but also it's amazing how quick we can respond giving the time of pause. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I, I just think it's very interesting that both aspects can be quick, but they feel so completely different. This is a little idealistic, quirky of me, but I think a lot of the world's issues could be solved if we gave the pause, if we responded versus reacting. I mean, I know a lot of the world's problems could be solved in that way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, so, it's such a basic, like foundational thing to deal with, to talk about. It's something that is universal. Everybody deals with it. Probably a lot of people are very unaware that they're operating from a reactive space. And we're not not judging you. We're saying it happens to all of us. And it happens. Your response, let me say this too. Your response could be, a very big response, but it is a res. But if you come and you actually respond and it's that big, then it was needed to be that big. 
right? It wasn't just a trigger thing. It was like, I have thought about this and I am feeling this big emotion around this. And I really want to communicate that to you. So it's not like we're just going to go and then we're going to respond and everything's going to be sweet and loving and calm. It could be a big, great response. It could be a big angry response. It could be a big, sad response, but it is coming from a more informed, and I don't mean by your brain, but I mean a full body response, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think it comes down to being true and authentic to, to your values as a human, you know? And, and like you said, those responses, um, could rock the boat, Mm -hmm. you know, everything's not going to be rainbows and butterflies over here. You know, the, the difficult conversations, I think, I think there's so many conversations and, and situations in relationships, whether that's family work, partners that if you really take the pause yes you're still going to have that disagreement but it's not going to be screaming at the top of your lungs door slamming and stuff like that because that's all in reaction right you know you could you could have the same response that you feel in that moment but taking the pause to really sit with it and get curious about it, it's going to come out different. It's not going to come out yelling. It like, might. Yeah, I, I, this, I, I still feel this way and I want you to be aware of it. And I want you to understand how serious this is, but there's not a need for, for that high frequency of fighting. I'm going to challenge this and say that a well-informed response could involve yelling. I think it could. I think that the yelling is an indication of the seriousness of the situation. I think what you yell and how you use that volume and tone will be different, right? Um, More to speak your truth than to go after someone else, right? It's more coming from you about you and your feelings and and that. Because I feel like I have responded very passionately to things from a place of neutrality. And when I don't feel like the other person is holding that same space, I might have turned the volume up on that. Not to say you're a bad person or anything, but like, I need to be heard in this moment. I need to be heard. I hear you. And I want to come back with. Go ahead. Is if you said your point, you feel like it didn't get heard. Mm -hmm. That you then elevated again. In that moment, would that be a reaction because you weren't heard to begin with? I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, this is this is the conundrum. I don't think that response is always polite. I don't think that it has to be. Yeah, right. I I agree with that. I. I will say that I, I can't think off the top of my head when 
um, that's happened. I can imagine that it has. You know, when someone gets into like a wreck or something, or they're in shock and you see someone slap them in the face, it's, it's a thing that you do to get someone out of that state. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's not capricious. There's a purpose for it. What I'm saying about a response being big is that sometimes I feel like it's okay to turn up the volume as long as you understand your response and then you don't get triggered into reactivity in the moment. And I'm not sure, Randy, I don't know the answer. I just know that sometimes my responses can be big. And we've had this conversation not on not on the podcast, and it was fairly recent, but I, I feel that when you are really in tune with yourself and you have, you practice your tools, you practice mindfulness and you have the awareness that when you get asked to do something or asked a question, when you are so in alignment with yourself, it almost comes across as a reaction but it's your truth, which then I feel like is your response. Yes. Okay. I'm with you. And so that, that like takes what we're talking about it and then puts us on a different, <laughs> a different, a different level, level. Of, of what are we talking about here? And I think that's like important. And that's why we have these conversations is to like, like dissect and dig deeper than just what's on the surface level. And so like when you're in reaction versus response mode, like what does it take for you to realize and to be present that you need to respond with your true authentic self? I don't know that I understand your question. So maybe you could ask it again. Like we all, we, we talk about these tools and we talk about practicing mindfulness and awareness. And so like talking in, in reference to reaction versus responding, you can make a quick response, hmm. which may come across to others as a reaction. Mm -hmm. But when you're true to yourself, that's not a reaction, it's a response. So what I'm asking is, is when do you know, which I, I like to think my take on it is, but I'm asking you, when do you know when it's a true response from your true self versus a reaction? Oof, that's a big question. It, it took me a while to get to it. <laughs> it's really, it, no, it's a big question because I think it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. I think when you have established a knowing of yourself, which is such a big topic for me in this moment. And you respond from this place of knowing and alignment within your values and all of that. Then I think that's how, you know, right. You know, when you're out of alignment, you know, when you're not, I like to say walking the walk, you know it. Yeah. And so if you respond and it feels like you're not walking your walk, then you're reacting. Which it goes back to feeling. It feels different. It, it totally feels different, but yeah. I think it takes a lot of 
personal reflection and honest reflection, which is a lot of hard work. I would, yeah, I agree with you. And I'd even go a step further of like self-discovery. Yes. Because I can look back and think of times where I was responding and in that moment that did feel good and well, not good, but that felt right and true to myself. But where I'm at now, I would have a completely different response. Well, and that speaks to something else, which is we're always evolving and growing and changing. And so your idea of who you are is changing day to day. And so the truth of who you are and what is a reaction versus a response has to be gauged day to day. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you wake up in the morning and check in and you feel yourself and, you know, tune in and say like, who am I today? And it sounds weird to say that because people could get the idea that you're changing the core of who you are day to day. And that's not true. The essence of who you are is really the same and your value should be the same. So, so we're changing in the sense that maybe we're embodying more the truth of who we are and wearing those values. I see it like this. Maybe honesty is a value that you really like. And when you first put it on, it's like a sweater that's too big for you. But as you step into the embodiment of honesty, the sweater fits better and better and better. So it's not like you're wearing your dad's sweater when you're a little kid. It's like now that sweater is my sweater and it's a sweater of honesty. And so when I go out into the world and someone asks me a question, which would be so easy to say, yes, I'm fine or everything's cool or whatever. But I say, I'm struggling a little bit today because I'm practicing honesty. The sweater fits and it's a real response from an authentic place of integrity. Does that make any sense? Like that just came into my mind. I, I mean, I, I don't even want to follow up with anything because it was so good. I, I think you nailed it. I think that describes almost in a sense of, of, of how we should, I don't want to say we strive for, because once again, everybody's different, but like if we all attempted to do that, to check in every day with, where I'm at, am I, am I not necessarily in alignment because we all get off track, but am I, am I walking towards that alignment? Right. Like if we have that check-in, I mean, we, it'd be a completely different world. You know, the awareness around that would be huge. I also think that that's true. And I want to also talk about this because this is I think really important to certain people. And right now I'm thinking of mothers and I'm thinking a lot about women whose, you know, whose society says we're the people that need to make adjustments to help other people, to tend to other people and care for other people and do for other people. And what does it look like to be in response rather than in reactivity as a parent? And it's, really tricky. So I think it goes in stages. 
because when a child is very small and very dependent, you have to react, you know, to their, for their safety and for their vitality and their health and well-being. And so we sometimes grow into the habit of reacting beyond the need to react to our children. It's something that I reflected on a little bit, you know, thinking about this topic. We have all seen parents who cook food and do laundry and do things for their children way beyond the point that their children need them to do that. And that speaks a little bit about this desire to feel needed or important or wanted or valued. But when the child is able to do more things for themselves, we should be shifting a little bit from reactivity into response with our children. Mm. You know, and I had a situation that came up the other day, which highlights this so beautifully. I mean, I have two kids and they're a bit older now, but one of them, well, they both called me on different occasions. They needed help to get home. And the one kid, it was nighttime and it was late. And uh, I was in my pajamas. I got in the car and I went out and got him. As a mother, I'll always be there for you. Call me 24 seven. I will help you if you need help. Like no questions asked, right? The other one, it was midday. I was kind of busy doing something else. And my first reaction was to get my keys and go. And then I said, hey, wait a minute. Don't you have the Uber app on your phone? Why don't you get an Uber? And they were like, oh, yeah. So their reaction was to call me. And my reaction, my first reaction is to go get them. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, hey, wait, I can put a little space here. Does that child, is that child in danger? And do they need me right now? But as parents, we have a very hard role because the first phase is reactivity. But as the child gains competency, we should be looking to change that a little bit. So I just wanted to put that there because I, you know, parents have to react. And I think it, it comes from a place like hearing you talk and, and really sitting back and obviously looking at, you know, my childhood and my parents and then, you know, how I'm a parent to my dog, Akira, like. It, it falls into survival mode. Right. And, you know, we talked about that earlier in the episode of that's where reaction come from. I do believe that there is a time and a space for reaction. Absolutely. And I guess I want to kind of touch basis on it that, that when we're talking about reacting versus responding here, once again, it's, it's not necessarily... a a serious moment right like it's not life or death like either i make this decision or i don't or we like it's not that severe what we're kind of talking about is the day-to-day grind right and and how we react and respond because there are going to be those moments especially as parents for younger children there's no time to pause and take a breath like you have to react in that moment And so, like, I think that's very important for us to distinguish here that we're not saying don't ever react (laughs) because it it is needed. There's an importance to that as well. 
I agree. And I'd also say here that there are certain nervous systems that have been conditioned to always be in fight or flight or fun. And, you know, those are people that have PTSD or CPS PTSD have had traumatic things happen to them and their nervous system is dysregulated. And for them, an everyday occurrence could seem to trigger a survival mechanism. And mm -hmm. so if anybody that's listening has those um, sort of that type of a nervous system, my advice to them would be, can you distinguish if this is a real emergency? Mm -hmm. If it's a real emergency, then you need to go into life-saving behaviors. If it feels like a real emergency, but cognitively, you know that you are not in danger, that is the moment to take the pause. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's really hard for people that are struggling with trauma to distinguish between those those situations. And so it's um, a very gentle practice that you have to have with yourself mm -hmm. uh, daily, multiple times a day. Right. Mm -hmm. To say, is this an emergency? Is it really like your sister calling you wanting to know what time you're going to be there for such and such is not an emergency? Unless she's saying, I need a ride to the hospital for summer. That's an emergency. But if she just wants mm -hmm. to know when you're coming over, that might trigger that sense of emergency or urgency within you. It is not. Mm -hmm. We could talk about that too, which is how other people's emergencies are not yours. Oh, yeah. That, that might have to be a whole nother episode. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it bears sort of stating the fact that other people's drama in here, I'm excluding real life emergencies or children, it's really none of your business, but they want to make it seem like it is. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, it comes back to that, that, that power struggle, mm -hmm. you know, that energy exchange, but, but hearing you bring up what you were talking about, about practices, um, which we'll tag in our show notes. I came across this website that brought up a good one of a mindfulness skill practice called place. Mm. And so I'll break this down real quick. The first one is pause. It's noticing the trigger and allowing a moment to pause and breathe the awareness of your energy, what you're feeling. Second step is label your emotions. What is it that you're feeling? You know, what's coming up? This is, allows us to process the actual emotion because what we may think is, you know, frustration or anger could actually be something way deeper than we even know of, of like abandonment, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, with a trigger. And so really, you know, labeling it. And then the third step is ask yourself why. Why was I triggered? What actually triggered me? Bringing the awareness to the depth, not to the surface of the actual trigger. Then choose a mindful response. That's the game changer. Consider all the information's of the facts and the feelings. What is important to share in the conversation as well as how you can communicate in a productive way. Mm. And then empower yourself. Notice how the pausing impacts your body and nervous system as well as how you're responding versus reacting impacts your relationships and how you feel about yourself. Mm. That's good. 
you know, I was, I was, I read that and I was like, I'm going to write this down because I want to start incorporating that because we get so lost in like, and this is even like a growth standpoint of what used to work for our triggers. The further we go down our journey, that stuff may no longer work. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to, you know, the curiosity, which, you know, it's my favorite word, uh, is, is to get curious about those questions below the surface. It's easy to find the surface. It's easy to figure out I'm triggered because my, the people didn't start on my roof this day and it's three days behind like that. That's an easy surface level. Mm -hmm. What's deeper than that, Mm -hmm. you know? And so really getting curious about the situation and what's going on internally, like the internal dialogue we have, I think is just so important. And what I love about the last step is, is the empowerment behind it is, you know, once you work through something like that and like you set the intention and the awareness around it, that's going to stick with you to where once again, those pauses don't take as long. So yeah. I, I, w- I will definitely drop those down in the show notes as far as the websites to check out if anybody's interested around it. I like it. And I would say it's okay to take the time that it takes for you to make a good decision or to come up with a good response. There's no time frame, Right. We do get quicker. We do get more skilled at identifying what's happening and coming up with responses, but there is no time frame for you to figure out what's going on. And I think we feel such pressure for time. And I, I just want to encourage people to take the time it takes to, to do all of that, that you just said, and I'm really excited. It's so well said. So, yeah, I like it. Yeah. And as always, give us a like, share, or follow. We're trying to, to build up the Instagram page. So please check that out as we're going to start doing more posts on that platform as well. And, uh, you know, if you want to hear something, don't don't hesitate to message us and uh, we'll put we'll put an episode together. Sounds good. All right. Thanks so much, Randy. All right. Thanks, Kim. Here are some provocative questions for you to contemplate or journal on reacting versus responding. Can you remember a time when you reacted to something and didn't like the repercussions? Can you recall an occasion when you took the time to respond and how did that feel different? If you enjoyed this episode of Another Way to See It, please be sure to subscribe, share the episode, and leave us a rating or a review. Also, don't forget to check out our Instagram page, Another Way to See It podcast, all one word. We'd love to hear from you, so reach out. <music>